Jesus, when he taught on prayer in the book of Luke, and then also in Luke 11 and Luke 18, he actually put prayer in three dimensions. The disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. And the first thing Jesus said in Luke 11 too was, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven. And so the first dimension of prayer is approaching God as Father. Now, you've got to understand that each one of these, uh, each one of these ways that we approach God opens up a different dimension of the Spirit. Let me explain that to you for just a moment. You see, for years and years and years, I prayed since 1980. And I would say, well, the presence of God came. And that's true. When, we, when I would pray, the presence of God would come. When you would pray, the presence of God would come. But you need to understand something. It's not just the presence of God. You're actually entering a spiritual dimension. And here's the problem. If you don't know where you are in the spirit, then you don't know what to do. And we sometimes don't get the full benefit of that. So when you approach God as Father, it opens up a certain dimension. In Luke 11, verses 5 through 8, Jesus then says, And which of you having a friend? And he continues to teach on prayer. So the second dimension is approaching God as friend. Okay, but then in Luke 18, he picks the subject back up. And he says, there was a widow who went before an unjust judge. Now, Jesus wasn't saying God's an unjust judge, you have to convince. He was saying, if this widow could get a verdict from an unjust judge, how much more can we come before God, the judge of all, and see him answer the petitions of our heart? So he puts prayer in approaching God in this third dimension as judge. Okay, so, what, so when we talk about approaching God, here's what happens. When you approach him as father, there's something called the secret place that opens up. This is important for us to know before we talk about what I'm going to talk to you about. The secret place opens up. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said, go into your closet, shut your door, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. You see, there's a place called the secret place in the spirit that you actually step into. Psalms 91 talks about the secret place. It's the place of provision. It's the place of protection. It's the place where we make requests. In fact, Jesus said, in this secret place, you can interact with the Father, and He will release things in the spirit realm that will manifest in the natural realm. Because you're stepping into a, a spiritual dimension. You're not just in the presence of the Lord. You're actually in a spiritual dimension. And when you recognize where you are, then it gives you a, a greater ability to be able to function in that realm. Does that make sense? See, for years and years and years, I didn't know where I was. I've, I've been in the presence of God many, many times, but I didn't know the, the, the dimension, the, the realm I was in. Because, so that's the first one. The second one is, he said, that we would approach God as friend. When we approach God as friend, we can step into what is called the counsel of the Lord. See, why do I know that? Because Abraham was the friend of God. And in Genesis 18, he's standing before the Lord in the council of the Lord where he and God together are making decisions concerning Sodom and Gomorrah. See, because in, in Jeremiah 23, 18, the scripture says, Who has stood in the council of the Lord? Who has heard his word? Who has marked it? See, so when I approach God as friend, when I have developed this friendship with the Lord, there can be a, a counsel, a spiritual dimension called the counsel that I can step in. And in that place, God and I together can make decisions concerning things in the earth. You can make decisions concerning things in the earth. These are different dimensions of the Spirit. 
Okay, but the, the third dimension. The third dimension is in Luke 18, where we approach God as judge. Well, what, what, what opens up when we approach God as judge? The court of heaven. Because judges rule over judicial systems. And Daniel 7 verse 10 talks of the court of heaven being seated and the books are being opened. And when you read the description, you begin to realize Revelation 4, Revelation 5 is a picture of the court of heaven. That we literally step into and in that place called the court, we can see judicial decisions released that cause things to occur in the earth that wouldn't occur otherwise. Because we have stepped into that third dimension called the courts of heaven. So does that make sense to you? So listen, when you pray, when you spend time with God, be aware of these dimensions. It's not just the presence of God. It's actually spiritual realms that we're stepping into. Okay, having said that, in, for instance, in the, in the courts of heaven, there's always an adversary. So you need to understand there's always an adversary. In, in uh, Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, when Jesus talks and speaks the parable about a widow coming before the unjust judge, her cry was, avenge me of the adversary. And that is the Greek word antidikos, and it means one who brings a lawsuit. So this, this, this widow had, had an enemy, had an adversary bringing a lawsuit against her, denying her her destiny, denying her what was rightfully hers. There was a case against her in the court that needed to be answered. And so the widow is crying out to this unjust judge, avenge me of my adversary. Now, in 1 Peter 5, 8, the Bible says that we should be sober, we should be vigilant for, the, for our adversary, same word, antidikos, the devil. He goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. What does that mean? That means he can only devour when he's discovered a legal case to do it from. The enemy cannot devour at will. He can only devour when he has discovered a legal right to do it from. You need to understand this. We have to grab this. So, sometimes if I'm going to stop the de devouring process that's working against me, I'm going to have to deal with the legal issue the devil's doing it from. Now, let me just, let me just say this. There's a lot of people out there, because I get hit with this all the time, when I teach this, oh, you poor simple man, and they want to pat me on my little pointed head. <laughs> And they want to say to me, don't you understand grace? Don't you understand that Jesus has done it all? Don't you understand that? I say, oh, yes, I do. I'm a product of grace. But I said, listen, Peter, the great apostle, Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, be on guard because you've got an adversary, you've got a legal foe who will build a case against you if he can. So you need to be on guard and you need to be able to undo that case if there's something against you. So I tell people when they come and want to tell me that, I say, somebody ought to tell Apostle Peter this. Because Apostle Peter clearly thought that the enemy was still functioning from a legal position, building cases that was giving him the right to devour. So this is why we have to know how to go into this third dimension of prayer called the court of heaven. Because in that place, we undo any and every legal case that the enemy is using to devour us with. Is that making sense to you? Okay, so I wanted to establish that foundation for just a few moments. Now, having said that, as it relates to healing, 
This is, this is really important as it relates to healing. Because I have prayed for many, many people in the course of my life, as many ministers have, and especially those that have functioned in healing. And I have, I have watched, this is, this is so significant, I have watched people be tremendously touched by the anointing. I have watched people do everything they knew to do and do all the right things they've been told to do. And of course we've seen many, many healed. But I've seen many not healed. I have literally seen them actually touched powerfully under the anointing, and yet when when it was all said and done, them still be sick. And I thought, why is this happening? And of course, when my wife had the dream that that, uh, she told me, that God said to her in the dream, the voice said, tell Robert, if he doesn't pray for them correctly, they will die. And I didn't know what it meant at that, and, but as God began to unveil the court of heaven, I said, this, this, is the, this is the element that I have to know how to help people take the legal right away that the enemy is using to afflict them with. For them to be able to get fully healed. Now, to understand that more completely in regards to healing, this is what I believe. This is what I see in Scripture. The devil actually works from two perspectives. Because this is helpful if you're trying to get healed or you're trying to minister healing. This is very effective. The enemy actually works from two, two perspectives. He works from a legal perspective and an illegal perspective. Now see, we, we've not been told this before. See, how do I know he works from a legal perspective? Because, because 1 Peter 5.8 says he's the adversary, the one who's bringing a lawsuit. That means he's doing that from a legal perspective. In Revelation 12, verse 10, the Bible says he's the accuser. That's another Greek word, kategoros, which means a complainant in a legal system. So, so you've got to understand the devil has a legal place in the spirit realm that he operates from. That he seeks to build cases against us with. And if he has a case against us that's allowing that sickness to work then you can pray, you can release the anointing, you can do all the things that you need to do, they're not going to get healed. Not until you deal with the legal issue that's being used to hold them. Watch, if they do get healed, the sickness will come back. See, this is some of the reasons sometimes why the sickness comes back. Because somehow or another, the anointing may have moved it temporarily, but then it comes back. Why? Because there's something legal that's resisting it. Okay, so he works from a legal position, but he's also illegal. Because what is he? He's the thief or the robber. He also does things from an illegal position, where he just tries to see what he can get by, get by with, to see what he can steal with. So this is what I tell people. I say, when you're praying for sick people, when you're, when you're sick yourself, I start off, I usually start off under the assumption he's doing this illegally. And I just began to rebuke, take authority, release the anointing, move into faith. I just began to move. And many, many people would get healed. But if I'm trying to get somebody healed, and I'm doing all that thing from, a, from the, uh, the assumption that he's doing this illegally, he doesn't have a right to do it. Sickness is illegal because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. But it's not moving. I may need to stop and say, Lord, is there something legal that's operating here? And then be able to step into the courts of heaven and be able to undo the legal thing that's stopping people from receiving the fullness of what Jesus died for us to have. 
Is that making sense to you? So you say, well, now, if that's true, there should be examples of this in the Scripture. Yes, there should. Let me show you one of them. In Luke chapter 13, and um, verses 1, I think verses 10, uh, verse 10 through 13, I believe it is. Luke chapter 13, it's the woman who had, was, was bent over, if you'll remember, for 18 years. Okay, watch what it says here in Luke 13, verse 10. Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. And she was bent over and could in no wise raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Now, we read that, we, we read that casually. Yes, that's a great miracle. But you've got to look at how Jesus did this. Watch what he says. He sees this woman, and he understands by the Spirit her condition, not just what he's seeing in the, in the natural realm, but what he understands in the Spirit. And he says to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. That word loosed is the Greek word apoluo. And it means to cancel a debt or to dissolve a contract. So what Jesus did was, before he ever released a touch and released the anointing, he dealt with the legal issue that was allowing that woman to be sick for 18 years. He said, I am canceling this debt. I am canceling and dissolving this covenant. I am actually divorcing you from this thing that has legally held you for 18 years. That's what he did. And then watch what he did. Then he touched her. Why? Because, the, because once you deal with the legal issue, the anointing is now free to have the results it was meant to have. But if you release the anointing and there is a legal right that's resisting the healing from taking place, then people many times do not get healed or if they do, they don't keep it. Because we have to know how to deal with the legal issues that are working. Does that make sense? So, because I mean, you know, we want results. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree, I agree with, with Dr. Randy. We don't want a bunch of hyped up something where we get everybody all excited for a few hours in a meeting and then everything's back to the same or worse the day after. We want something that lasts. We want to see the results of God. So many times we need to know how to step into the court of heaven and dissolve the legal case that might be against us, that would be resisting us. Let me just give you a couple of other. I'll just cite these. Mark chapter 2. Remember when the man was let down through the gate, or through the, through the roof? And Jesus looked at him and said, man, your sins are forgiven you. Okay, we know that he was, Jesus was making a point that he was God and he had the right to forgive. But he was doing also something else. He was dealing with the legal issue that had the man paralyzed in the first place. Because once he spoke the word, then he was able to say to the man, now take up your bed and walk. See, the order is very important. He dealt with the legal thing of, of a sin issue in the man. And released him so that then when he spoke the word, the healing could fully come to him. Amen? So, so many times we have to go before the courts and say, Lord, we want to do this. Now, you say, well, if, could, can we just do like Jesus did? And say, woman, you're loosed. 
And I say, yeah, I would, I'd love to do that. And I believe there are times when the anointing is there and you can do that. But, but, and people say, but, but that's what Jesus did. And I said, yeah, but that's Jesus. <laughs> and I know we're supposed to be like Jesus. But sometimes our process is a little bit more involved. It actually is. And so, so let me just point out, a little bit of time I got left here. Let me just point out to you some legal things the enemy uses. Okay, to, to be able to resist us. And, and I want to touch on three that we don't normally think about. I want to talk to you about trades. These are this different verbiage here. Trades, covenants, and dedications. Trades, covenants, and dedications. And I don't have time, a whole lot of time to develop this. But, but these are things, watch, that can be legal issues that the enemy will use against us to be able to hold us in sickness and keep us from being healed. Now, we listen, why am I dealing with this? Because all of this has to do with our bloodline. See, your bloodline issues can actually have given the enemy, I'm going to just explain this to you, given the enemy the legal right to claim you and your bloodline. So that he says, I have a right to afflict them because they, they belong to me. Because someone in their history made a covenant with me through a trade that gives me the right of ownership, which is the dedication. We have to know how to go before the courts of heaven, undo the trades, revoke the covenants, and annul the dedications so that the legal rights of the enemy are removed. And we can get the full benefit of everything Jesus died for. Because, listen... Sometimes, sometimes our, listen, sometimes our sickness is just because the enemy's being a bully. He's doing it illegally. We just need to take the anointing, exercise faith, and get healed. Sometimes he's doing it because of our own personal issues and sin. That does happen. That is true. But there are other times that there's issues in our bloodlines that's actually causing the enemy to to have a legal right to afflict us in these given situations. So just real quickly, let me just touch this. The whole issue of trades. You need to understand that trading in the spirit realm um, is, is something that the spirit realm understands. Okay, in Ezekiel 28 verses 14 through 16, when Satan, before he was Satan, he was Lucifer in heaven, his, one of his functions in heaven was he traded. The Bible says by the abundance of his trading, he became filled with violence. So we read that and we say, see, trading is evil. No, trading wasn't evil, but trading what the polluted heart was evil. Because you need to understand trading is spiritual. See, what did Jesus do on the cross? He made a trade. He became sin for us so that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You see, you can, you can trace it all the way through Scripture that there were trades made in our behalf and we have made trades. See, watch this. So Satan gets kicked out of heaven because of his unrighteous trading, even though trading was a heavenly practice. He gets kicked out. What does he do when he gets into earth? He begins to seek to build his kingdom through trading. What does he do? He says to Adam and Eve, here, take this fruit and eat it. And because they took what he offered, it gave the enemy the legal right to take what they had. You see, the enemy, listen, every time you're tempted, it's the enemy attempting to pull you onto his trading floors. Every time you're tempted. Because we are giving him the legal right to take something from us that is precious. Yeah. 
because we are agreeing with him and making trades with him. So watch, our ancestors did this. They made trades. Literally, sometimes they made covenants with demons. But they made trades with demons that have literally given them the right to say, okay, because of this trade, I have a covenant. And because of this covenant, I now own you and your bloodline. Now, this, listen, this isn't about going to heaven. This is about stopping heaven from coming into earth. So we need to know how to step before the courts of heaven and annul that trade. And undo that covenant and revoke that dedication and ownership so that the legal rights the enemy says he is claiming are removed so that the fullness of everything Jesus died for us to have, we can can have. Amen? So so we want to do that. So would you, would you, would you uh, let's just do that. I want to lead us in a prayer. And I want to, I want to deal with this, this issue of trades, of covenants, and of dedications that the enemy might be using to hold us. Amen. So let's just do that. I want you to say this. All you watching by, on your devices, by television, different ways, I want you to enter into this as well. And I want you just to say these words. Say, Lord, as we stand here, we're doing it in the Spirit. Lord, as we stand before your courts. We thank you for everything Jesus has done. We thank you that it is finished. That every legal mandate, every legal requirement has now been met. For me to have my healing. So as I stand before you, I would ask, Lord, that any case that the adversary, that the accuser has against me from my bloodline, any trade that was made that created a covenant that resulted in dedications that allows the enemy to claim me and my bloodline. I am asking, Lord, for that to be removed right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I am asking that the blood of Jesus would now speak for me. And I receive, Lord, from the healing touch of God. Lord, that according to your word, every debt, every contract is now canceled and dissolved. It has no more right to operate. And I am freed to receive the fullness of the healing of God from your touch. Lord, I thank you for doing this right now. Now let me just pray. Father, even as we're standing here, I thank you for your presence that's in this room. I thank you that you love your people. And you care for them so much. And I thank you that every legal right of the devil is revoked. Every trade, every covenant, every dedication is removed. And that the healing presence of God is now free to touch your people in this room. And that sickness and disease, the power of it is broken. It dries up and it is gone in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, for doing this even now, right this moment. 
in the name of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Now, many of you are feeling the touch of God that's come on you. It can come in many different ways. But if you're feeling that, would you just stand up where you are? You just feel that touch. If by, by at home, if, if you're watching this and you feel that touch, just, just as an act, just stand up where you are. His presence is healing. Lord, I thank you for your kindness to us. Thank you that you love us, that you care for us. Thank you that the anointing is breaking the yokes. I decree the anointing breaks the yokes. And every sickness and every disease is now broken. It is now removed by the power of who you are. I thank you for this, Lord Jesus.